to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's a joy to be with you today and excited that we have this opportunity. We have a couple of guests that are with us and I always like to recognize that. Cleve McClary, man, it is a joy to have you with us today. Cleve is a, a veteran from, um, from Vietnam and a Purple Heart recipient, and we owe so much to him and everybody like him who serves uh, our nation and our country. We're reminded today of those that are serving uh, even now and are grateful, but, but God has given this guy an amazing ministry, and it's kind of fun uh, and intimidating and some ways that I get to preach and share with him because he just has a worldwide ministry, goes all over the world sharing the message of Christ. If you have an opportunity to go on YouTube and, uh, and just do a search on Cleve McClary, you'll get to listen to some sermons that he's preached. And boy, God has used this man in, in a great way. And then we have an entire baseball team from the College of the Ozarks. And uh, man, good to have you guys. Thank you for being here today. Uh, they played two games yesterday. They got two games this afternoon, and, uh, and then back to the College of the Ozarks, and their coach gets them up early in the morning on a day that we lose an hour of sleep and brings them to the early service. Uh, so maybe you guys will be wide awake and ready to play this afternoon. They won one, lost one yesterday, so we just kind of are pulling for, uh, pulling for Arkansas against Texas today. You came and, and changed us. So we're going to pull for you today uh, to win as, uh, as they play, but we're excited to have you guys with us uh, as well. Today I continue a series of messages that I started in January, and it's really been life changing for me. It's amazing how, how in, in preparing uh, to share with you, God often just kind of changes my heart, and, and I am sharing from you, with you from my own journey uh, that, uh, that God is teaching me. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. And since January, we have been looking at uh, the subject of victory, our new normal. And what we've been talking about is the fact that when we receive Christ as our Savior, God has led us into a life of victory. In fact, Jesus even says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, more fully, that you can have life full and meaningful. And it's amazing to me that God invites us into that victory, but so many of us never walk in it. Uh, it, it's, it's one thing to hear God say, you know, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and it's another thing to live the abundant life. And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how do we walk in the fullness of all that God has for us. And what we have done is we have watched God work in the life of the nation of Israel as he brings them into abundance. He brings them to the promised land. That is the fullness of their experience and the fullness of our experience. And God is so specific in what he tells them to do and how he works in their life. And each one of these very specific things God does in their life, I believe, become for us a map that we can follow to discover how we too can walk in the victory that God has for us. Now, I've told you before, the word victory, the very word victory, 
brings with it the understanding of conflict, right? You see, a lot of us want to walk in victory, but we forget. You can't have victory unless there's a conflict, unless there's a battle, unless there's a war, unless there's competition. I mean, the very fact that we win means that we've been in a fight. And somehow we forget that as Christians, that God has called us to walk in victory and, and some of us are so angry that we have hardship and that we have battles and we have problems in life that, that we feel like when we become a Christian, we should never have any more problems. I mean, that's victory means that I never have any more problems. No, victory means that we just got through fighting a battle and we won. It means we are at war. And it is imperative that we never lose sight of that or we'll never really understand and, and come fully to understand what it means to walk in the victory God has for us. In fact, in the very verse that I've shared with you every Sunday through this, Jesus says that he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly, right? We love that. But you know what the first part of that verse says? The first part of that verse says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and more abundantly. I mean, there's a thief. The reason Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life is so that we can overcome the thief that comes to steal kill and destroy and we have an enemy don't we he wants to steal your joy steal your victory steal your purpose he wants to destroy everything that has to do with your faith so what happens is when we face challenges in life you know what the enemy does he says you need to give up on God forget God if God was real you wouldn't be having these problems if God loved you you wouldn't be facing these challenges if God was there for you then life would be good you see he comes to steal the victory that God has for us well recognizing that reality i i want you to come to uh with me on this journey now god is leading the nation of israel into the promised land this is where we are in our study they finally arrived 40 years they've been wandering in the wilderness they finally go across the jordan what a dramatic moment that was we talked about that for weeks and they finally get into the promised land here they are they have arrived they are now in the promised land. They're now in the place of God's fullness. And what's the first thing that happens? First thing that happens is that they realize that there are people that live here. I thought this was our land. And the people that live here don't want to leave. And the people who live here don't want to give up. What they realized was, even though God has brought me here, I'm still going to have to fight to get what God has for me. I'm gonna to have to fight to experience this victory. 
And the first thing they confront was Jericho, this fortified city that was imposing and intimidating and threatening. We'll talk more about that next week. And so as a result of that, I think Joshua now is overwhelmed. He just brought the nation in. And after this high moment of seeing God shut the water off and walk across the Jordan, now, now he's looking at Jericho. And I think, I think Joshua is saying, you know what? I have never seen walls like that. I've never seen a city like that. I've never seen, this problem's bigger than anything I ever dreamed I would face. What in the world am I gonna do? And so as the leader of the people, as the general of the army, he's walking around that hill. I think in the evening, the night, he's walking around, he's looking, he's assessing Jericho. And the more he looks at it and the more he recognizes their fortification, the more he recognizes, I don't have an army to, to defeat these guys. I mean, we're a ragtag bunch of guys who have been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. We're nomads. We, we're, we're no match for what's behind those walls. And how in the world are we going to penetrate those walls? And as Joshua is trying to assess the problem before him, look what happens. If you have your Bible, turn with me. Chapter 5, verse 13. So Joshua's walking around, he's looking at this. Look at what happens in verse 13. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you with us or for our adversaries? And he said, no. Rather, I indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he bowed down and he said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went in, no one came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and its valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once and you shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests will blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the shout, and, and when... And all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, even every man straight ahead. Now, on this walk, and with this encounter, I think Joshua discovers four things that are absolutely critical if they're going to win this battle. Four things that you and I need to discover if we're gonna walk in victory every day. Because every one of us face our own Jericho. 
You're facing a Jericho right now, many of you. The walls are daunting. It's intimidating. You wonder if you're ever going to be able to overcome the challenges that are before you. Well, here are four things that God says to Joshua that I believe are critical or four things that he learns in this encounter that are critical and for us as well. First of all, this is what Joshua learns. Number one, he learns this. You are not alone. Joshua, you're not alone. I think in that moment when he was walking around looking at Jericho and seeing the height of the walls, I think he was feeling awfully alone. I think Joshua was probably becoming a little bit discouraged in that moment saying, I don't know if we can do this. This problem is bigger than I am. This task is bigger than our nation. Maybe he began to have some doubts. After all, this was a fortified city unlike any he had ever seen. His followers were inexperienced. This was looking kind of bad. And even though, and I know what you're thinking, even though they just got through crossing the Jordan and God dams up the water and we talked about how amazing that miracle was because what God does is he stops the flow of the water as it comes down. So as the water is coming from the melt of the snow on the mountain range, that water is getting higher and higher and higher. It's taking days for millions of people to cross. This wasn't an hour or two hour deal. Millions of people are crossing the Jordan. This is a miracle of amazing proportions. And just a few days later, Joshua's discouraged. Joshua's wondering where God is. And you know, I think that's possible because I think there's a phrase that might have gone through Joshua's mind that goes through your mind on a regular basis. And that phrase is simply this. Yes, I know God is faithful. Yes, I know God performed a miracle. Yes, God did that. But this is different. And don't we do that all the time? Isn't it amazing how that one little phrase can chase away every bit of our faith? Well, this is different. But somebody can remind you, well, God's been faithful in your life. All your life, God's been faithful, right? Yeah, but, but, I'm, but I've never faced anything like this. Now, this is bigger. These walls, I, I'm wondering if any army can penetrate these walls. I'm wondering if anybody can overcome. Wait a minute, Joshua, God just dammed up the, the river for you and your people walked across on dry ground. Have you already forgot? No, I haven't forgot. I know God is good. He is powerful. He is great. But this is different. Maybe he was feeling alone because he's a leader. Sometimes we forget a leadership position is a lonely position. Thomas Joyner wrote a book called, It's Lonely at the Top. You know, it's amazing. All of us wish we could be the leader. We want to be at the top of the organization. We want to be the, the big guy in the organization, but we fail to recognize that's, that's not always a fun position. I like what John Maxwell says. He says, being a leader is kind of like being at the top of the pyramid. And he says, as a leader, listen to this, as a leader, the higher we go, the less options we have. We think sometimes that the leader has more options and opportunities than everybody else. And that's not true. The further down you are in an organization, the more options you have. The further up you go, the less options you have. And those options impact everybody else below you. 
Not to mention the fact that the higher you go, when you finally get to the top of the pyramid, you make a pretty good target. And if anybody wants to shoot, they're gonna shoot at you. Maybe it was these decisions that he had to make, recognizing it would impact everybody that got Joshua to the place where he was feeling alone, unsure. But then he discovers Jesus is near. He's right here. And maybe this was so that he would discover that that Jesus is here, just as he had promised. He, He shouldn't be surprised by that. Because in chapter 1 of Joshua, in verse 5 and 9, God promises that he'll be with him. In verse 16 and 17, another promise that he would be with him. In chapter 3, Joshua preaches a message and talks about the fact that God will be with me. And even though he knew that, knowing the promise and experiencing it personally are two different things, right? Because all of you know, oh, God is with us. God is there. But it's easy to forget. It's one thing to know the promise and another to to experience it. But then Jesus shows up. As if he knows that Joshua is struggling and knows that he needs to be assured of his presence, he shows up. Now, notice I keep saying Jesus, right? And some of you are thinking, wait a minute, that's an Old Testament. Jesus hadn't been born yet. But actually, I believe that this is Jesus that he meets in this moment. There are, there are several occasions in the Old Testament where the pre-incarnate Christ, where Jesus, before he is physically born, appears in the Old Testament. He appears to, he appears to uh, Abraham. He appears to Jacob. He appears, this one you'll, you'll remember, it's pretty vivid. Remember when the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace? And, and Nebuchadnezzar looks down, and what does he say? Wait a minute, did we throw three guys in there, but I see four, and what did he say about the fourth? And the fourth is likened to the Son of God. And, and there's a fun word. You can learn a little theology word here. There's a fun word to describe when Jesus appears in the Old Testament. It's called a, a Christophany. And what we have here is a Christophany. Jesus, I think, appears as the Lord of hosts. And Jesus is there. He's with him. And I think the thing that he is saying to him is that, hey, Joshua, you're not alone. You're not alone. And the thing that you and I must remember is that we're not alone. And it's amazing to me the courage that you and I can find with just the presence of another person. When I know I'm not alone, I can do this. When I know that somebody's with me. And so I want you to understand in the Jericho that you face, whatever it is, you're not alone. You're not by yourself. It's not true that nobody understands. It's not true that nobody has ever been where you are. It's not true that you're alone. The thief wants you to know that, but Jesus is there. He's with us. And so first of all, Joshua learns that I'm not alone. Secondly, though, he learns this, and I think this is the next thing we've got to learn. First, we must remember we'll never be victorious until we know we're not alone. We're not left stranded in the world. God's not forgotten us. He's not surprised by the challenges you face. 
Something happened to you this week and God's not going, oh no, I didn't see that. I didn't know that was going to happen. He's with us. Secondly, though, this is what Joshua notices next. He's not in charge. Now, that's the second thing that you and I need to understand. He's here. And Joshua, you're not in charge. Now, I love this part of the story because I love this about Joshua. Joshua's walking around looking at the walls of the city. He's overwhelmed. He's probably praying. He's thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world's going on and what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, in the process of walking around, he sees this man of war standing there with sword drawn. Now, what I love about Joshua is that he doesn't run. All right? He is being courageous like God told him in, in chapter one. So what does Joshua do? I think he puts his hand on his own sword. And he puts his hand on his sword. This guy's got a sword drawn. Joshua walks up to him. He didn't back up. He puts his hand on his own sword and he walks up and he says, are you for us or against us? It's a good question to ask in that moment, right? If you're for us, okay. If you're against us and we're fixing half the battle, okay, I'm ready. Are you for us or against us? And Jesus responds, and I love his response. Because sometimes we wonder, is Jesus for us or against us? Sometimes we say, well, Lord, I, we'll even pray this. God, I just pray that you'll be on our side. And I want to tell you something. Jesus doesn't take sides. He takes over. And that's exactly what happens with Joshua. He said, I'm not on your side, and I'm not on their side. I am the commander of the Lord of hosts. Joshua, I didn't come to, to take sides. I've come to take over. You need to remember you are not alone, but you must also remember you're not in control. Let me tell you something. We have come to this place in the book, and this is interesting. Do you understand that, that everything in Joshua's life has prepared him for this very moment? Everything. He's, he's, there's only a couple of guys that were redeemed by the blood of the lamb back in Egypt, and he's one of them. He remembered what happened in Egypt. He remembered God parting the Red Sea. Nobody else in the group, everybody else had been born since then. The, 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 all of the people that remembered, they had already died out. Joshua was one of the only ones left. He was prepared for this moment. He remembered God bringing the plagues in Egypt and delivering us. He remembers God parting the Red Sea. He remembers the journey. He was mentored by Moses. He was Moses' personal assistant. He had walked with Moses and heard the word of God. He had seen the glory of God on the mountain. Every part of his life had prepared him for that moment. The manna, the quail, the, the, the Jordan being, the rock and the water coming from it. He was a man of faith, a man of patience, a man of courage. But I want to tell you something. The greatest challenge that Joshua faced on this moment was Joshua. His greatest hindrance was himself. And what Jesus is saying to him is, hey, 
You're not in control. Listen, Joshua, the moment you get in control, we're going to have problems. You think you are well prepared for this moment, and you are, but I didn't prepare you for this moment to go it alone. The the biggest problem you're going to face, Joshua, is you. And you know what I've discovered? The biggest problem I face in life is myself. I've often said if you were to kick the person responsible for the most problems I've had in my life, I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. I'm responsible for the majority of the problems and headaches that I have experienced in life. D.O. Moody said one time, I have more trouble with D.O. Moody than anybody else. I kind of agree with him. The Apostle Paul said the same thing, didn't he, in Romans chapter 7? I struggle with Paul. Man, I make up my mind I'm going to serve God, and the very thing I say I'm going to do, I don't do, and the things I say I'm not going to do, I do. And I struggle with myself, and I try, and I try, and I turn over a new leaf, and I try harder, and I make res- you know, New Year's resolutions, and I really try, and, and, and the more I try, the more I fail. And he finally gets to the bottom part of chapter 7 in Romans, and he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And then we have chapter 8. And you know what chapter 8 is? Jesus. Jesus delivers him. And that's exactly what's happening here. Joshua comes to the place where the biggest problem you're going to have, Joshua, is you. You're trying to figure this out. You're walking around trying to assess where is the weakness? What do we need to do? How do I need to lead the people? What's going on? Joshua, you're not in control. I am. So stop trying to figure it out. Your job is to trust me. Now, the third thing that he learns is this. As commander, he commands. The third thing he discovers is this. God is God. So, so what does he say? I am the commander of the Lord of hosts. Joshua take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Now, we kind of heard that before, hadn't we? Same thing happened to Moses when he was turning aside to see the burning bush, and he goes and God speaks to him from the burning bush and says, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. You know, it's kind of interesting that God says you're standing on holy ground. Really, why is that ground holy? I mean, it's, the promised land was inhabited by pagans, who worshiped pagan gods. Why are you saying this ground is holy? And it's because Jesus is saying, because I'm here. Because I'm here, it's holy. Now take off your shoes. And you know what's interesting to me? That's a simple command, right? Simple, straightforward, easy. And and sometimes it's the simple, straightforward, easy ones that we want to argue with, isn't it? The little things that God tells us to do that we want to say, well, not necessarily in this circumstance, but I I think this is what Jesus was establishing. Hey, if you're going to win the battle, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a heart of obedience and it starts right now, son, take your shoes off. If you're not willing to do something that simple, you're never going to go further. If you're not willing to do what I tell you to do in, in in the little things in life, don't expect to have victory in the big things in life. Take your shoes off. 
And immediately Joshua falls to the ground. Immediately he recognizes that he's in the presence of God. Immediately he obeys and establishes a pattern of obedience. He removes his shoes. I'm going to do what you say do. I yield to you. You're in command. I think ultimately what Jesus is saying is this. I'm God. Don't you forget that. I'm in charge, but I'm God. The challenges you face, you think, are bigger than you are, and they are, but they're not bigger than I am. And I want you to understand something, Joshua. My, my plan is perfect and right, and wherever you're in my presence doing what I tell you to do, the ground is holy. This is what I, I, I think we can walk away from with this moment as well. God has a way of making the battles you fight holy ground. The challenges that you run from are the very opportunity for God to be glorified in this world, right? Whatever your Jericho, you want to run from the problem. And you know what God says? No, that problem, let, let me tell you why I've allowed you to face Jericho. That's holy ground. This is an opportunity for you to glorify me. This is an opportunity for my, for, for your children, as we sang a moment ago, to know of the promise of my grace. I'll give you an example really quick. I text a friend of mine on Friday, um, and I found out when I text her that she's in Arizona speaking at a women's retreat. And, and Beth said, uh, Carol, I'm, I'm in Arizona, I'm speaking at a, at a women's retreat, trying to talk to the women about the, the struggles that I've been through and how I've discovered God's faithfulness, basically. And I really stopped for a moment and thought about that. Her son was murdered a few years ago. And I want to tell you something. When your son's murdered, the thief comes and he kills and he destroys. And then he begins to try to destroy your faith. And he begins to say, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. Faith doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. Give up. Walk out. Turn your back on God. There's a battle that rages in her. And she fought that battle. And you know what I realized? God turned that into a holy battle. And it became holy ground when she's able to say to other people who have lost their children, you can win the battle of faith. And God's faithful. And he doesn't take a hurt away and he doesn't take the pain away, but he's faithful and he can be trusted. So I want you to understand whatever the Jericho that you fight, God says, this is holy ground. There's a bigger picture here. God uses the nation of Israel to destroy Jericho and records it in the Bible so that it becomes a blessing to millions of people from that moment forward that we can understand the heart of God, the power of God, the plan of God in our life. Finally, let me just close in saying the last point. Is what God says to Joshua in this moment is, hey, Joshua, this is what I want you to remember. 
you're looking at Jericho and it's overwhelming, it's intimidating, you don't know how in the world you're gonna face the problems that you face. The thief looks like he's won, he is stolen, he's killed, he's destroyed. But I want you to know something, listen to me, son. Jericho is already defeated. Before you ever lift a sword, the city's defeated. And God says something in that text that I really love. There's a phrase that's really fun. And the phrase comes through this way. I have and you shall. God says, first of all, I have already given you Jericho. And you shall. If you're obedient, you shall walk into that victory. And now what God does is tells them what they're going to do. You're going to encircle this. You know, it's as if God is saying, listen, I want you to get this down. Let me tell you something easy to do. Take shoes off. Because the next thing I'm about to ask you to do, you're really going to struggle with. And so if we can get in the habit of obedience, you're not going to argue with me when I tell you to walk around the city seven times. There's something about that that you would want to say, you want me to do what? Walk around the city? And you want me to tell about we're going to walk around. We'll talk about that next week. We're just, all we're going to do is walk around and we're done. That's it. Really. That's it. God says, just take your shoes off. Just do what I tell you to do. Because the city's already yours. What he's saying is that you and I fight from a position of victory. The war that we're in has been raging since the fall. You and I are reinforcements to the battle. But I want to remind you something. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the war was won. We're just clean up. Now, clean up is dangerous. Because there's an enemy that's still there and they'll take you out. But the battle's already been won and that makes all the difference in the world when we know we've already won. I don't, I, it's not about win or lose. We've already won. We're walking in the victory that God has for us. Well, remember when you face your Jericho, you're not alone. You're not in charge. So just rest in him and trust that his plan and promise are sufficient. And remember, God is God. I don't care how thick those walls are. He's God. He can do anything. And the battle is already won. We just get to fight in the battle from a position of victory. And that's what God's calling us to for every one of you who are a believer, that's what God's calling you to. For those of you that are here and those that are watching that have never accepted Jesus as a Savior, that's what he is inviting you to. He is inviting you to live your life from a position of victory by recognizing and receiving Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And we pray that you'll make the decision to do that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, the opportunity to continue to grow as we walk through the text and learn from it. Father, speak to us in our own individual lives. Every one of us in this room have our own Jericho. Every one of us have some wall that is intimidating and standing before us that we don't think we can overcome. And may we remember today that we are not alone. 
And Father, may we learn as Joshua did on the moment, we're not in control, you are, and we just yield our life. And we gladly say, God, we bow before you, you're the commander. And we obey and do whatever you tell us to do, the simple things and the big things. And know that we live life from the position of victory. For those that are here today and are watching that have never accepted you as Savior, I pray that today would be the day that they recognize they need you. They are alone, but they don't have to be because you offer them eternal life, salvation in Jesus. So I pray that even in this moment, they'll, they'll acknowledge their sin. God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I give you control of my life. And as they do that, I know you'll hear their prayers. They repent as we turn from our sin as best we can. God, we turn to you, ask you to forgive us. Come into our life. We want you to be our Savior and Lord. And Father, as they pray that prayer, I know you've heard it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.